You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and th thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with breaking news. Port Moody Mayor Rob Vagramov taking a leave of absence amid serious allegations tonight. Vagramov, who was elected mayor in 2018, is facing a charge of sexual assault. Sarah McDonald is live outside of Port Moody City Hall for us tonight. Sarah, Vagramov is proclaiming his innocence and now taking a leave of absence, he says, to fight these allegations. And Sophie, he says that will be effective beginning tomorrow. That announcement coming just before we went to air this evening. Vagramov capping off a day of bombshell announcements with one of his own. Hi, Mayor uh, Vagramov, what is your response uh, to the allegations? Rob Vagramov arriving in a hurry. Excuse me, we're going to have a press conference right after our meeting, and I'll, I'll see you all there. For an emergency city council meeting Thursday in the wake of a bombshell announcement from the BC Prosecution Service. Mayor Vagramov, can you respond to the youngest mayor to ever take the helm at Port Moody City Hall, now charged with sexual assault. Can you respond to the allegation? The single charge dating back four years to an alleged incident in the city of Coquitlam in April of 2015. What it takes to go up against an incumbent. At the time of the allegations, Vagramov was a sitting city councillor. Now he's forced to face them as mayor. When the allegations surfaced during the election, uh, campaign last year, I was horrified. That allegation, which Vagramov denies, surfaced at the same time as another controversy. So I figured let's go find somebody who really needs some kindness in their day. Let's go find us a homeless guy and get him some lunch. Cheers. This video from 2014 in which he offered to buy a homeless man a meal if he'd drink a beer with him, surfacing during last year's civic election campaign. You got a sandwich for you? That video was the impetus for the accuser in this case, who we won't identify to come forward, detailing at least some of the allegations on social media, saying the pair went on several dates in the spring of 2015 after meeting on Tinder. On their final date, the accuser alleges Vagramov became sexually aggressive, a claim he denies. Now, the tale grew as it was being told, and I want to be absolutely clear, this allegation is false. I intend on fighting it every step of the way, uh, including filing a suit for defamation for this continued attack uh, on my character. As for the response to the charge from at least some of his city councillors. Well, you know, Mike, quite frankly, it's quite shocking um, to, to see that this uh, charge has been laid. When I heard the news today, I'm sure that I feel, as many others do, I've been deeply troubled by the news. Vagramov remaining defiant in the face of the biggest challenge to his political career to date. The question now is, can it withstand a criminal charge? All right, Sarah, he's taking a leave of absence for now. What do we know is the plan for the mayor's position? Well, we know Diana Dilworth, one of those city councillors you just heard from, will be taking over as deputy mayor in the interim. Once again, uh, that is beginning tomorrow. And we will find out soon just how this case plays out in the courts. Vagramov, as you just heard, vowing to fight that charge against him. He makes his first court appearance in Coquitlam on April 25th. Sophie. Sarah McDonald for us in Port Moody. Sarah, thank you. Tragedy on the water in Burnaby this afternoon. Rescue crews, including the Coast Guard, called out to Barnett Marine Park in Burnaby when a man ended up in the water when his kayak overturned. Eventually, the man's body was located and pulled out of the water. No names have been released. 
Two teens are alive tonight, likely because of the quick action of witnesses who saw them crash into a tree, their vehicle bursting into flames. Jill Bennett has more on the circumstances and why the driver shouldn't even have been behind the wheel. 90 at this corner, I don't think it's possible to turn. Michael Chen is talking about the stretch of road in front of his South Surrey home. His home surveillance camera caught a BMW SUV going by five times before it crashed and caught fire. The speed increased with each pass. So that was the final one and yeah. then that car crashed, just missed the turn and crashed. Yes. It was just after 4 a.m. The SUV then hit a tree. What did you hear? A, uh, racing cars and a big bang. And then a bunch of hysterical teenagers yelling and screaming. And uh, by the time I got out here, the young boy was already on the road. And then the, the fire was just starting slowly. And then, um, you know, all the police came. Within minutes, flames had engulfed the vehicle. The driver, a 15-year-old boy, was seriously injured. His 16-year-old passenger had only minor injuries. I do believe it was not stolen, though. Um, speed is a possible factor in the crash. Uh, unsure about intoxicants such as um, alcohol or cannabis. Don't go out joyriding in the middle of the night in cars, right? And, and wear your seatbelt. The one boy that got really hurt wasn't wearing a seatbelt. The one that was okay was wearing a seatbelt. The crash was so severe, there were pieces of bumper and mirrors in the hedge and meters away in the yard of this home. Witnesses say if the 15-year-old had not been pulled from the vehicle, he could have easily been killed. I have not seen this um, incident before, where it's a 15-year-old driver. As the investigation continues, police are still looking for dash cam video that caught the SUV before the crash. They're also gathering home surveillance video like this as they try and determine what happened. I don't think there is a brake light because it's... The Steady. Jill Bennett, Global News. Quick action by the Sassamat Volunteer Fire Department is being credited with saving a home in Anmore. I was panicking. I was like, oh my God, five more minutes, I would have lost it all. Flames broke out in the garage of this home on Sugar Mountain Way around four this morning. The owner called 911 and firefighters arrived just in time to prevent the flames from spreading to the rest of the home. Two people were inside at the time. Both managed to get out safely. The cause of the fire is under investigation. I called dispatched out to the volunteer fire department in Anmore. And amazingly, they showed up in like within 20 minutes with about seven, six, seven guys. And, yeah, they did an amazing job, and we got the fire out. We can't stay in the house today. It all smells like fire, and the gas has been turned off. The power has all been turned off. So I guess, I don't know, got to figure it out. Calls tonight for the province to extend the deadline for British Columbians to submit their speculation tax declaration. While the deadline is fast approaching, tens of thousands have yet to file. Richard Zussman has more on what that means come April 1st and the potential fallout. It's been a summer home in Nancy Strain's family for decades. The photos serving as a reminder of how much time has passed. But now Strain isn't sure if she can keep the Belcara property because of the province's speculation tax. I've been asking for an exemption. The reason? Strain says she isn't a speculator. Although this is her second home, she says the cabin is unrentable. It's uh, not ideal for people that would like to rent and commute to go to work or to school. It is just one example of the challenges with the new tax the provincial government brought in to address affordability. 1.6 million British Columbians are required to complete their speculation tax declarations by Sunday. So far, over 88% of people have filled out the forms. 
meaning around 190,000 people haven't. Some, like Strain, will actually have to pay. But now she wants an extension on filing until the province responds to her concerns. I think the village of Belcara is uh, eligible for an exemption as Lions Bay and Whistler and Bowen Island. 99% of British Columbians are not expected to pay the speculation tax. Finance Minister Carol James says that extension isn't coming and there's still time to complete the declaration. People have a chance over the weekend to be able to fill out the forms and that's what I'm encouraging them to do. The online form only takes a few minutes to fill out, but if you don't do it by the deadline, the province will send a reminder in the mail. Then if you don't do that, a bill. I think if British Columbians were annoyed before, they're going to be angry when they start seeing tax bills arrive in their mailbox. As for Strain, who knows the bill is coming. The question is whether she can afford to pay it and keep her home. Richard Zussman, Global News. Also in the legislature today, a debate over the dress code that had many up in arms. At issue, whether women should be able to go sleeveless. It all stems from one female staffer being told to cover up. Keith Baldry has more on the protest it sparked and the wider conversation. In the Speaker's corridor at the B.C. Legislature, the question is, do women have the right to bear arms? No, not this kind of arms. This kind. And the answer, apparently, is no. Speaker Plekis' uh, memo outlines the current dress code that's in place, and he's also asked me to undertake a review of uh, dress code here at the legislature to ensure that we're in line with modern parliamentary expectations. The legislature's dress code, yes there is one, is now the subject of hot debate after a legislature corridor guard ordered a female government staffer yesterday to leave the corridor because she was wearing a sleeveless blouse. In response, a number of women today showed up for work at the House wearing sleeveless tops. I don't think any of us have a problem with there being a dress code, but we want it to be consistent and we don't think that the focus should be on having women cover up. Press Gallery member Shannon Waters' tweet of a picture of fellow Press Gallery women defiantly wearing sleeveless tops today went semi-viral. I just saw Shannon Waters' tweet and I thought it was so outrageous that I took my blazer off right away. You're in solidarity with her. Absolutely. Other women at the legislature also tweeted about it, including Green Party MLA Sonia Furstenau and two caucus staffers. She said one of her staff had a different dress code controversy. So the staffer was told that she needed to wear a slip because without a slip under her skirt, it was obvious that she had legs. Uh, newsflash, women have legs. Carol James also waded in, saying the whole thing had become absurd. And I think it's ridiculous that we have uh, people policing that. I think people are adults in this place. They understand it's a professional environment and they dress accordingly. The dress code is now being reviewed and hopefully things will be clarified soon. We will be undertaking review of the dress code to ensure that it meets modern business attire expectations. Uh, the dress code that was articulated in Speaker Plekis's memo uh, has not changed in many years, so we will be looking uh, to uh, update the details of that. All right, Keith Baldry appropriately covered up in his legislature yes. office. Uh, Keith, it certainly blew up on social media. What will happen with this dress code policy? 
Well, you just heard the clerk, uh, Kate Ryan Lloyd, there talk about the review that's underway. She's dropping hints this is going to be changed. She talks about how it's an old code. It's, in fact, more than 40 years old. It hasn't been changed for years, and it hasn't really... Uh, the, the, it's interesting, the code for men hasn't changed at all. Uh, you look at uh, pictures in the legislature back 40, 50 years ago, everybody's dressed exactly like I'm dressed right now in terms of men. Men have been wearing shirts and ties and jackets for eons, but when it comes to women's dress, that does change, I think, uh, more substantially, and the code just hasn't kept up with, uh, with the fact that uh, women's fashions, trends change than what they were in the 1950s. Men's doesn't necessarily change, but women's do. So we do expect this review to result in some big changes, including the ability for women to wear sleeveless tops. All right, Keith. Glad we settled that one. Thanks, Keith Baldry and Victoria Forrest tonight. Right now, though, a plea tonight from an Abbotsford family who was robbed of a number of precious heirlooms. Making matters worse, the thieves targeted the home of a loved one who'd recently passed away. John Hua has more on what's missing and the clues police have to go on. When that happened, that, that was worse. That was worse than when he passed away. Allison Ailes says she lost the man of her dreams when Harry Fisher died unexpectedly during an ATV trip a few weeks ago. When he got up in the morning, he was sick and we had, you know, he'd had a heart attack in the night. Their plans for retirement and marriage this spring lost in an instant. Ailes instead left a focus on preserving Fisher's memory, boxing up the precious belongings and mementos he kept in life. Then the unimaginable. It shocked me, something awful. You know, the, the house was ransacked, things were missing. Thieves had stolen most of the valuables, but also some priceless items with no monetary value. So unfortunate. This grieving family is just trying to get through one loss, and then they go to check on the residents, make sure everything's okay, and then they find that all these items are gone. Like a set of Thai dolls, which were first a mistake, but later became a testament to Fisher's character. And I said, well, why did you buy them if they weren't the right things? And he just said the guy needed money. I could help them out. Then there was the side-by-side -side ATV that was at the center of so many of their plans. Everywhere we went, the quad was always included. Every holiday was planned around it. Now the Abbotsford police say that Fisher's Can-Am side-by-side was last seen being driven along the roads near this intersection of Gladys Avenue and George Ferguson Way. For Fisher's loved ones, the most heartbreaking loss are the boxes of photos and keepsakes he kept for his daughter. That was very hard for me because that's all she will have of her father. Ailes is hoping the items will be returned. They're worth nothing to others, but mean the world to a grieving family. John Hua, Global News. Highway 3 from south of Salmo to just north of Creston is closed tonight and won't reopen until tomorrow morning at the earliest. The highway has been closed since a fatal accident south of Salmo Wednesday night that caused what's being called a significant fuel spill in the Salmo River. A truck pulling two linked tanker trucks plunged into the river, killing the Alberta driver. Environmental emergency response teams from B.C. and Washington State have been brought in to clean up before police can do their job. It's a lengthy process. This, this is a very dangerous, uh, noxious substance. Uh, and, and so there's, there's a lot of safety measures that have to be taken. Um, the emergency res response group for, for the environment uh, is there and, uh, and <clears throat> wearing personal protective equipment as they, as they try to control it in order for us to do a recovery, in, a recovery operation of the vehicle and the driver. 
Interior Health says there are no registered drinking water users downstream from the spill. They say it poses a low risk to public health. A mother and daughter are going public tonight with their battle against Fraser Health. Both sides locked over who knows best when it comes to the issue of the young woman's complex health care needs. As Erin MacArthur reports, while the family is being offered funding for her to be in care, they can't understand why that same money can't be used to care for her in their own home. Hey there, it's Tavia here again. Um, as you can see, um, I look beautiful. With electrodes stuck all over her head, Tavia Marlat sits on her hospital bed waiting for the results of another test. The 22-year-old has severe epilepsy with dozens of seizures every day. If it's not in an area that they can do brain surgery, then this was all basically for nothing. Her condition means she can't live on her own. Yet the Fraser Health Authority has denied funding so the young woman can continue to live with her mother. Health officials have instead offered funding for group care. It's an option Renee Marlett says won't be in Tavia's best interest. They're not able to be responsive. They're not able to be flexible. You need to fit in a box. This is what we have. If you don't want it, you get nothing. According to the Marlats, Fraser Health has refused to listen to reason. And BC Epilepsy agrees. Keeping Tavia at home just makes sense. It's cheaper and will mean better outcomes. If she's in the community and she's in an institution, there's very, it's very likely that she's going to exhaust emergency room visits. Um, there's going to be more hospitalizations for her. This is day two of my seizure study. Fraser Health won't talk about individual cases, but in a statement to Global News wrote, the priority is to ensure patients with acquired brain injuries achieve their rehabilitation goals. There are respectful conversations with family in order to find the best path to the most appropriate care. I don't see how having her with a stranger um, or somewhere else would make that easier or better for her. It's not about me. Um, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, to, take, to take care of my daughter. She thinks that nothing's going to come out of this. The 22-year-old is hopeful this attention will finally mean Fraser Health can leave her alone to live her life. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. Two men climbed down the side of a 21-story high-rise in Bangladesh to escape a deadly fire. The blaze broke out in an office building in Dhaka, killing at least 19 people and injuring about 70 others. Firefighters battled the blaze and used ladders to rescue dozens of people. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was apologizing for his response to First Nations protesters at a high-priced Liberal fundraiser. People in Rossi Narrows are suffering from mercury poisoning. You committed to addressing this crisis. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your donation tonight. I really appreciate it. Critics calling his response smug after the protesters tried to draw his attention to mercury contamination in First Nations communities. Trudeau now admits his comments were inappropriate. The protesters paid $1,500 to get into that fundraiser. Trudeau says the money will be returned. One day after she was shot three times point blank by a carjacker, a Seattle schoolteacher is talking about the horrifying rampage that killed two people and left her and another man in hospital. 56-year-old Deborah Judd says at first she thought she'd been hit by paintballs until she saw the blood. He looked me right in the eyes and just shot, said nothing. 
Deborah Judd knows how she got to Harborview. I came around the corner and this guy just, he walked straight out in the middle of the road and just pointed the gun at me and just shot me. And then he shot me again. It is impossible, however, to know the answer why it happened. It's just all kind of unreal. And you just don't really understand why you're just driving home from work and somebody walks out in the middle of the street and just shoots you. The 56-year-old said she was driving along Sandpoint Way home to Snohomish after teaching her second graders at Laurelhurst Elementary when she was shot three times in the arm, shoulder, and lung, all while her car was still moving. I heard one more shot, which I've come to realize is the man that died. I don't know why I was the lucky one. From her hospital bed, she worried about the impact this would have on her 18 students. I just think about them when you're seven years old and you have to process your teacher being shot. It's not okay. It's not okay. The reason why she invited reporters to the hospital was because she wanted to answer the big question that was on the minds of her kids. Yes, she'll be all right. I want to make sure the kids know I'm okay. And I'll be back soon, and I love them. <laughs> and I know how scary it is for them. Because of all the questions she cannot answer for herself or for her students, that's the one she wanted to make sure she did. I don't want it to be my identity for the rest of my life, but right now I want to own it so that I can move on. The teenager who was caught on video pushing her friend off a Washington state bridge is in jail tonight after a surprise move by a judge. Ready? 19-year-old Taylor Smith pushed her friend Jordan Holgerson as she tried to decide whether she wanted to jump. Jordan hit the water chest first, suffering six broken ribs and punctured lungs, among other injuries. At sentencing, Taylor tearfully apologized, but Jordan's family said they had seen no sign of remorse. I'd like to sincerely apologize to Jordan Holgerson, her family and friends for the pain and humiliation I had caused by my mindless action that occurred last summer. I didn't ask for any of this, but last summer my said-to-be good friend changed my life for the worse. She did not stop by our home to see if she was okay or in any way act like a friend. Despite a recommendation of no jail time, the judge sentenced Taylor to two days in jail, effective immediately, plus 38 days on a work crew. More chaos in the Canadian airline industry today after budget carrier Wow Air grounded its flights for good. The airline shutting down due to financial troubles, leaving travelers stranded. The sudden news that Wow Air is wheels down for good has left some passengers in a panic. I feel frantic and my shoulders are tight. Stressed after the budget airline announced early Thursday it's bankrupt. Not only was the flight cancelled, the airline was cancelled. More than a thousand customers were left scrambling for new flights. Wow, emailing some passengers and posting to its website, it has ceased operations. Information that unfortunately didn't reach everyone. Stranded customers telling Global News they were instead met with confusion. I'm just looking at the news this morning and it says Wow Air is bankrupt. And I'm like, what? They have not sent any communications. They have, we're just scrambling now. I have to be back by Monday, so hopefully I will be able to get a flight out this weekend. And while many are trying to get back to Canada, Isaac Callan needs to get out, rushing to rebook his flight from Toronto to Scotland. I'm a student. This was something I saved up for for a while. 
And so being able to get back home is important to me. I have exams still to sit. Passenger advocate Gabor Lukacs says in this case, options for a refund are limited. Passengers can at best be reimbursed for the airfare they have paid. In luck, if you paid by credit card. And you are not receiving the services that you paid for then the credit card will have to issue you a refund. But for those banking on travel insurance, it... Just typically don't cover bankruptcy of the airline. Are you going to be getting uh, your money back, do you think? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know yet. Julia Sardelic went through a travel agent, and while it helped to rebook her flight from Toronto to Berlin quickly... And my concern was also about, like, uh, how I'm going to get discovered. She says she still may be out of pocket, wishing Lao would have taken its passenger's plight into consideration. Actually, somehow think about the people as well, yeah. And given them more of a heads up. Jamie Marocker, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a new report says wait times for a number of medical procedures in Canada is still longer than the recommended time. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the situation in B.C. is improving, but this province still lags behind others. When you're sick or in pain, and when you know that your only relief will come from surgery, you don't want to wait. Unfortunately, that is often the reality. The less urgent procedures like hip, knee replacement and cataracts, we can see that about 30% of Canadians are not getting those procedures within the benchmark timeframes. For hip and knee replacement, the benchmark time is six months. For cataracts, the wait shouldn't exceed four months. Each year, the Canadian Institute for Health Information collects treatment wait time data from each province. There's not one province that's great in all of these, and there's not one province that is terrible in all of these. In B.C., only 67% of hip replacements are done within the recommended wait time, 59% of knee replacements, 85% of hip fracture repairs, and 64% of cataract surgeries. We are by no means leaders in timely procedures, and yet we are improving. You have more people receiving their surgery for hips and knee replacements within that benchmark of um, six months than you did two and three years ago. We are increasing the number of uh, hip and knee replacement operations. It was around 14,000 in the last full year of Liberal government. It's 19,000 this year. Wait times are coming down in all the health authorities. We're making enormous progress. Hopefully the trend will continue because BC, like all provinces, needs to do better. It's one reason they all hand over their wait time data to the Canadian Institute for Health Information and compare each other's progress. They recognize that they can learn things and that this is a complex problem to solve and some people may have found better ways of doing it than others. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, it's hard for many of us to comprehend just how daunting and intimidating it is to pack up your life and move to a new country. But a new app launched by a Vancouver-based nonprofit organization aims to make it easier for new arrivals to connect with the services they need. Nadia Stewart reports. Munifa Nasser Ahmed knows all too well just how tough settling into life in Canada can be. When I came to Canada, I just went directly to Toronto. So that is when I had all the anxiety, fear. She came to Canada in 2017. It hasn't always been easy to find her footing, lost in a sea of people, unsure of how to access the help and services she needed. If we say no, okay, I'll just go and try again. But there's a point that you really feel lost and confused because you're a new country. Asar Ahmed's experience made her the perfect consultant for a new app made for new immigrants. 
Arrival Advisor is a mobile app that provides information for newcomers, immigrants, and refugees to find settlement services and resources in their new community. The app was built by Peace Geeks, the Vancouver-based organization using technology to promote peace. The first incarnation of this app was called Services Advisor, used to help refugees connect with services in Jordan. A $750,000 grant from Google and money from the province allowed them to transform that app into the one launching in BC this week. One in three newcomers to Canada aren't aware of the services available to them. So that was really the emphasis around arrival advisor was really filling that gap. So I would be interested at that time to look for education, right? Nasser Ahmed's insight, coupled with her tech skills, helped produce what 1,200 people have already downloaded. And those in settlement services say the app will ultimately help them cater to the specific needs of each individual newcomer. Particular for immigrant women, youth, men, and on LGBTQ two-part issues, so they can really focus on some more in-depth work. The kind of work crucial to helping new immigrants feel more connected and comfortable in their new home. Nadia Stork, Global News. People at a Turkish market scramble as strong winds move in. How their decision to hang on didn't quite work out the way they intended right after the forecast. That's such neat video. <laughs> I love that one. It was shocking, all right. Yeah. And that was shocking. A beautiful mm. surprise last night for the sunset, Christy. Uh, yes, I'm sure a lot of uh, people in their offices and this was the water cooler talk today. Last night's sunset, just stunning. Thanks to Malcolm Lightfoot for that one. And I've got a few more showing you the colors. This one from Maple Ridge. Thanks to Gordon for that one. And one last one in Mission. Thanks to Amanda. Just stunning. And, you know, one of the things that makes a stunning sunset tends to be a little bit of cloud cover. And we're going to see that again today. So if you can look outside at around 8 o'clock, our sunset is at 7.38. Uh, so close to 8 o'clock, you can look outside and uh, enjoy that sunset as well. We've had warm temperatures across the region today, hitting 19 degrees in some parts of the lower mainland. Hotspot across Canada today was Lillooet hitting 20 degrees or just under at 19. 18.8. Now, looking outside, that's the cloud cover that I was mentioning. Can you see some development towards Vancouver Island? So we did have a few showers there, but they were mainly along the mountain spine of the Vancouver Island. Uh, and we will see that again tomorrow afternoon. It's just a little bit of instability that's south of the border. And you can see that popping up a few showers there. But generally, sunshine across the region again tomorrow with that slight chance of an isolated shower across Vancouver Island. Here's your forecast, everyone. It's going to be a great Friday right across the province. So temperatures above seasonal for most areas with straight sunshine. Some areas may see a little bit of cloud just through the morning hours, and that should clear quite quickly. For the south coast, we'll see a range from 14 near the water to potentially 19 degrees away from the water, and we could be enjoying that again on Saturday with straight sunshine. It's not until the end of the day on Sunday that we start to see a little bit more cloud, and I'll leave you with one last stunning shot from my home hometown Crescent Beach. Thanks to Tammy Peterson for that. That is incredible. Thank you, Christy. Well, surveillance video in Turkey shows the power of Mother Nature. Three men at a public market scramble when high winds blow in. They decide that a large umbrella would be a good thing to hold on to. Turns out the umbrella isn't quite heavy enough. <laughs> and one of the guys is lifted as high as four meters in the air. 
Now, he wasn't hurt, but another man was taken to hospital with minor injuries after the umbrella fell on him. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. My mother used to do that when she wanted answers from me. I want answers man, from where you. Were you. Tell me about Quinn Hughes. All right. It is Quinn Hughes' time. Mm -hmm. He will start tonight for the Vancouver Canucks against the LA Kings. He got the green light from Team Doctors. He'll play alongside Luke Shen, and he'll get some power play time as well. After all, this is the Canucks' dream. Quinn Hughes, power play quarterback. Uh, one other note. If you happen to have any optimism still left, that Vancouver has a playoff chance, and yes, it is mathematical, they could still make the playoffs. One more Canuck loss, and they are officially out. Also, one more Colorado win, and Vancouver is out, but the Avalanche don't play tonight. Uh, Montreal really needed this game in Columbus tonight. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Started well. Former Vancouver Giant Brett Kulak scoring early in the game. 1.15 in, but it was pretty much Columbus's night. David Savard here, nice little setup. The one-timer beats Carey Price. And this is a nice goal. Matthew Shane doing something for his considerable monies. Little move right here and then finds Panarin. One-timer, 6-2 final. Columbus beats Montreal. The Habs have now fallen out of a playoff spot with that loss, and they only have four games left. Uh, the Whitecaps are home to Seattle on Saturday. Now, no matter who has been the Whitecaps coach, Every year, the coach is like the Secretary General of the United Nations. They have to be able to communicate to players who speak hardly any English or none at all, and they have to blend various styles into one cohesive unit. We know about the language and cultural differences, but are there also differences in how players from various parts of the world are trained? Soccer is truly a global game. Some 300 million people play, pretty much every country on the planet, and the Whitecaps show a lot of that diversity. Their MLS roster features players from 12 countries across four continents, from Iraq to Brazil to Guinea and Africa, all come together to play soccer in Canada. You don't need, you know, uh, one certain language. I mean... Football speaks for itself, really. So, it's um, it's definitely a great part of the game. It's it's one of the reasons I love it. All the players come with a style and characteristic unique to their country or continent. South Korean Inbyom Wang is as skilled a young player as the Whitecaps have. But when Coach Mark DeSantos thinks of the Korean players, another quality comes to mind. They're so committed. Um, they don't cheat. They they work hard every time. Uh, they have an incredible energy, and when you see their national teams play, it's all about that. If there is a common theme, it's passion for the game and for life. And for Brazilian Felipe, it goes beyond the game. When you play in Brazil, you're playing for a plate of, of food, and you every time you step on the field, you are a reason why you want to win. So you learn that since you're very young. You know, when you come from other places... You already have the plate in your food in there, and you go to school, a private school, and you, you go and you have healthcare and you have everything. So your mindset is different because it's, soccer is not everything, it's your second option. Food for thought as you watch the Whitecaps and their worldly team represent Vancouver on the pitch. Barry DeLay, Global Sports. Blue Jays, wow, he runs like a manager, doesn't he? <laughs> 
<laughs> Great posture, though. He looks like he's winded a bit. Yeah, well, it wasn't that far a run for Charlie Montoyo, the Blue Jays' 13th manager in history. Marcus Stroman strikeout there. He had seven Ks and seven innings, but it unraveled for Toronto in the 10th, 0-0, until Christian Stewart hits a two-run homer off uh, Daniel Hudson, and the Blue Jays lose their opener. Look at this shot by Tiger today. Under the bush, going left-handed, club upside down. Is he on his knees, too? He's on his knee. Well, one knee. He gets it out. We'll take a closer look at this. I mean, this takes precision. Club coming through. Can't hit anything but the ball. And again, that club's upside down. He's going left-handed. Didn't win his match today at the uh, match play. Match play is a round-robin situation. And then, of course, they get serious on the weekend. Watch Dustin Johnson. Is this in? Yeah, nope. Not oh, in. Sitting there? It looked like it was going to yeah. Not no way. In. Yeah. Oh, gravity, come on. Just when you think it's in, it's out. That's the way life goes. <laughs> think you're in, True. then you're out. True. All right. Dennis Shapovalov, Francis Tiafo of the U.S. First set. Tiafo took the opening set in a tiebreaker. Now it's all Shapovalov. Second set. Digs out the tough volley here. Took the second set, 6-4. We're good pals. Match point, Shapovalov. Oje Aliasim is already in the semis at the Miami Open. Now, the other young Canadian's in. Two in the final four. Good for us. Uh, NCAA Sweet 16, Gonzaga, Florida State. Vancouver-born Brandon Clark is one of the stars of Gonzaga's second half. No. Yes! Gonzaga to the Elite Eight, 72-58 over Florida State. There you go. Okay. Thank you very much, Squire. Stuff everywhere. Move it Here's your snow report for tonight. Not a lot of new snow, but I'll tell you, it'll be a great weekend for spring skiing. Whistler Blackcomb at minus four at the top. Grouse, two degrees. And Sasquatch also at two degrees. Revelstoke below zero at minus five, but they did pick up one centimeter of snow. So did Whitewater. Big White Silver Star and Sun Peaks, no new snow, but temperatures will soar this weekend. Fantastic spring-like conditions. Kicking Horse picked up one centimeter of new snow. Mount Washington and Powder King, nothing new. But again, fantastic spring skiing right through until Monday. Coming up on ET Canada, Sandra O oh previews her hosting gig on SNL Plus. TV legend Mary Walsh joins me right here in our studio. And Arissa Cox and Ika Wong take us inside the Big Brother Canada house for tonight's double eviction. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Sophie. Thank you, Cheryl. Who do you think would win Big Brother if it were like the news hour Big Brother? Oh, uh, you for sure. Really? Yeah. I actually You're don't tough. know how the game works, but <laughs> neither do I. I don't think I know how to game works, but I'm probably sure I'd be thrown out. Right I feel there. like Squire <laughs> might actually win. Actually, you might. <laughs> I'm very, I can be very quiet. Chris would probably be the first to be. Yeah, yeah, I can be very quiet. Sure. I can sleep in the corner. He, and you won't even notice me. He's back next week. All right. It doesn't take much to get a small town talking. So imagine the chatter these days in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Population about 40,000. They know that someone bought the single winning ticket in their town town of the latest Powerball jackpot, the third largest in U.S. history. It's the talk of this tiny hamlet. Some lucky guy or gal hit it Powerball big, buying the winning ticket at the local Speedway. So far, the winner's a secret, but the Rainbow Diner is all abuzz. You didn't win, though. I didn't win. Me neither. The biggest thing to hit New Berlin, Wisconsin... 
since, well... Since the parade last 4th of July. <laughs> this jackpot of $768 million has a cash payout of almost half a billion. And here, that'll buy you 298 million pounds of Wisconsin cheddar. Or 119 million pounds of Wisconsin brats. Nothing cheesy about that. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News, New Berlin, Wisconsin. Would you tell anyone? No, I no, you I don't It's hard you, to keep that a secret though. Well, if amongst you want, your like, family. Like if you suddenly bought a gazillion pounds of well, Wisconsin yeah, cheddar. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why don't you go over to my house for a million pound cheddar party? Where did you get that money? We're oh, gonna have I don't some know. Cheeseburgers tonight. Oh. Another sunset like last night? Yes, it should be. So, oh, it's already starting to be. There you go. Sunset happens at uh, 7:38. Enjoy everyone. Have a good night.